Welcome to Eyes on Brand. I'm Philip Giuliano, one of the founding partners of Brand Active. When faced with a brand change due to merger, acquisition, a shift in brand strategy, or any other reason, this is the podcast for you. Each episode will be packed full of fun conversations and actionable ideas from global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. When all eyes are on you, our eyes are on your brand. Let's get into it. I am very excited about today. One, because we have a really fun topic to discuss. What would healthcare marketing do if it weren't healthcare marketing? particularly around how it operates, how it's measured, talent, process, um, and a host of other nuggets that we'll get into. But second, because of who is joining me today. You all know me, all business, no fun, just a font of marketing operations knowledge crowded in with music lyrics and movie quotes and sports stats. So I brought the fun one here, a disruptor to the discussion and my longtime friend and partner, Chris Bevelo. Chris is the CEO of Revive, an integrated marketing agency that embraces the chaos of healthcare to build leading brands. He's also a very active speaker and the author of seven books, including Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital. So it's wonderful to have you here, Chris, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, it's great to be here. And I don't think I would ever describe you, Philip, as not the fun one. I think that was fair. That isn't the untruth. How long have we known each other? It's more than one decade, certainly. I'm not oh, sure if it's more than 17 two. 17 years. Is there anything that I missed in the intro of you that you'd like to highlight? I don't think so. I think the description of Revive is something that we take both in fun, but also very seriously, that embracing the chaos of healthcare to build leading brands. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that chaos today. I think everybody listening to this knows what the chaos is, whether that is you know, even if you go back, Philip, to before COVID, we were at a level of transformation in this space, both the health system space overall, but certainly the, the marketing and branding and communication space. And then COVID came along and shook the snow globe in a way that hadn't happened in 100 years. And then, you know, it's kind of funny because everybody's like, oh, we're moving on from COVID. It'll be fine. And I don't think anybody saw the level of you know, struggle that came after COVID for health systems. So we are still in a period of of deep chaos and we don't see that changing for years. You certainly not anytime soon. Let's talk about what is actually leading this. I mean, you touched on some of it with the supply chain and you know, everything else, but I mean, there's disruptors coming into the market. There's, you know, talent leaving the market. What else is is shaping the situation? We've always talked about, I think, you me, a lot of people in this industry, the need for hospital and health system marketers to really adopt and learn from and move closer to marketing and branding and comms as it's handled in other industries. We've talked that this sector, hospital and health systems, has been behind in terms of sophistication, in terms of technology, in terms of what we can do, value by our leadership, value by organizations. That's actually improved a lot over the last few years, but it needs to improve faster and we need to show up in far different ways. And I think the primary reason for that is something you mentioned already, Philip, which is the disruptors coming into the market. There's like a chorus of people out there. There's, it's actually like, I don't know, a Greek chorus. Are there two parts to a Greek chorus? Let's just say there are two parts to the Greek chorus. One side of the Greek chorus is disruptors are coming and they're going to change everything. And the other side of the Greek chorus is like, no, you're, you're all wet. They're not going to do anything. And it's obviously somewhere in the middle, but I don't think there's any denying 
the impact that these folks are going to have on healthcare. And so by disruptors, what I mean are all of the people flooding into care delivery because it's great for their business, because they're so big that they have to tackle some new frontier and healthcare is pretty darn big. Who are we talking about? Walmart, Walgreens, CVS Health, Apple, Amazon, the payers. So United Healthcare and Optum, Dollar General, Kroger, Best Buy, they're all coming in. These folks know consumers. They are consumer oriented. They are consumer focused. And that is going to force health systems to change, whether they like it or not. So it is behind. We've seen some people coming into marketing leadership from the outside, whether it be from hospitality or otherwise. The disruptors are coming in and they're consumer focused. So you're talking about an industry that doesn't value brand, doesn't value marketing, right? Can't keep up with care delivery of the demand that's actually there anyway. The threats seem huge in the space. So why is the case not being made or why can't the case be made for not being so behind and being more future forward? I think it is being made. You alluded to the fact that we're seeing an influx of folks coming into the CMO role from outside the industry. That's 100% because leaders recognize the need to do something different, to be better across the board. The problem here really isn't the marketers for the most part. The problem is an industry and organizations that just aren't caught up in valuing marketing or the impact that marketing can have. So this isn't to cast blame on marketers by any means, but the threat from these disruptors is really not to be taken lightly because that is not their perspective. I mean, when you think about some of these organizations, Amazon, Walmart, Apple, we're talking about some of the most consumer-oriented businesses in the history of business. They know how to connect with consumers and now they're coming into this space. Let's say that you could come in tomorrow and blank check, do whatever you wanted to do. What would you do differently than healthcare marketing currently does today? So I'm going to start with the first one. The inability to focus or put the consumer first, even from a marketing standpoint, right? That seems so obvious, but I will just share that I've been in any number of conversations with health system leaders, with marketing leaders, where that is not happening. And you just go, how in the world are we having this discussion? So for example, imagine a health system wants to go to market and they want to go to market to rebuild their brand, to better communicate their brand, to build their brand preference and that kind of thing. And the conversation is around, well, what's the most important audience for us, right? And there can be really, you know, good conversations around that. Is it our current patient set? Is it prospective patients, what we might call consumers in the market? Is it physicians? But the amount of time that is spent on prioritizing internal audiences over those external audiences is a bit eye-opening. The best way to come at that is to say, can you imagine somebody in Amazon or Apple sitting around the table and saying like, hey, we need to go out there and really promote our healthcare services. What's our most important audience? And the answer is us. You can't even imagine that that would even come up as an answer. You also talked, and we see this a lot, about the sort of perfect world syndrome, waiting for the right time to act. When everything is right, then we'll do that. We see that just in the operational side of things where we know that you know healthcare marketing is reactive, and yet you know standardizing, making things repeatable, bringing efficiency into marketing operations, whether it be through process or through you know how we deal with even acquiring a few physician clinics. It's very much a 
yes, we know those are things, right? And we're going to get to that once we get through this or once that happens or when we can build a business case for X, Y, Z. So I'm curious about this perfect world syndrome as you see it. There's a number of different dynamics we see show up in regards to this. I think perfect world syndrome shows up with a number of dynamics, right? So one, it's this idea that we can't do A, B, or C until X, Y, and Z is perfectly aligned. So we can't go to market with a brand until we've got our mission figured out and our missions, you know, we've got six months to figure that out. And then we have to do our strategic planning and that takes another six months. And then something else comes up and the delay, like health systems, one of their biggest challenges are very slow. This kind of adds to that slowness, whether the particular order that I just named is probably the right order. But sometimes this causes a delay in terms of how you go to market of months or longer. And again, if you just step outside the healthcare sphere, would you ever want to be in a situation as a CMO where you have put off the number one thing that you're being tasked to do for six months or a year? So that's one dynamic of it. Another dynamic we see sometimes is folks are overwhelmed. Well, we've got this crisis and this crisis, so we can't possibly also deal with this, right? And so many health systems are dealing with that now. They're dealing with financial you know, issues that are extreme. They've got labor issues, whether those are acute like strikes or just like, hey, we still can't open to the capacity we need. Like those are real. But again, the idea that we can't then move forward with this, that, or the other that are instrumental to our marketing and branding success, which if you're doing this right, should be instrumental to your business success because we have to deal with this. Like we can only deal with one thing at a time. Again, not something that I think you would see outside of the healthcare space or at least as much. We have a hard time bringing this into the health system space. You know, had a couple of clients that take it on, but you know, outside of the healthcare space, building a tactical strategic plan that says, look, here is my ecosystem of all of the opportunity that I have in front of me operationally, resource perspective, tech stack, marketing, communications, et cetera. And I know where I want to go and I can actually make incremental progress in each of those areas or in the most high priority areas along the way so that because I have that plan, I can actually achieve my end state five years from now, as opposed to putting off that thing for two or three or four years. And then you start that process. And now you're seven years, eight years out, right before you ever get to that. So that sort of strategic planning to make incremental moves towards the end state becomes really powerful. And we see a lot of outside of healthcare organizations moving in that way. I don't know if you are inside of health. Totally. It's the idea that, you know, like there's going to be a perfect world to do all this. And that even with a plan, there will always be something. So Building a nimbleness, which a lot of people had to do, interestingly, during COVID, right? Folks went from annual planning to monthly planning because nobody could see like two months out in the, in the future. But I think some of that has kind of fallen backwards and we're, we're back to kind of our ponderous ways, but there will always be something. So folks building a CRM or moving from one CRM to another, it's kind of like, well, we've got to put all of our performance marketing on hold until we do all that. Well, do you? Maybe you can't measure it to the degree that you could, or maybe you have to do it in smaller ways, but do you really have to just, again, myopically say, we can only do this when everything is perfectly set up? So let's talk about measurability, accountability, data, things like that, because, uh, you know, again, thinking outside of healthcare, I can't think of a client that would say, I don't own my data, somebody else owns that data. 
there are challenges here. So HIPAA is clearly the first challenge. And so often when we work with a client, particularly for the first time, where we want to leverage patient data, the answer is an outright no. The truth of the matter is there is nothing about HIPAA that prevents you from doing email marketing. There is nothing about HIPAA that prevents you from using patient data the right way. And if you have experience with this, usually you can figure out a way to work with IT and compliance and legal. Those are obstacles that are thrown up, but they're not actually legitimate obstacles. You have to take on accountability. You want to own accountability for the impact of what you do. That is good for you. I think most marketers try, but it's very easy if you run into these obstacles or nobody's pressuring you for actual measurable results to just kind of let it go. But we keep saying, like, don't wait for that knock on the door. As things become more and more pressure packed in this space, the the odds of that knock on the door coming are higher and higher. And you want to be ready. You want to be proactive. And of course, many successful health system marketers are. But if you're not, if you still feel like you're not in a place where you can defend your marketing budget with data, you need to get there. How do you get there? I mean, it's got to be, I mean, massively important as you're trying to build the value up through leadership of why marketing is so important. So how do you do it? Well, let's use the perfect world in a good way, not a bad way. If you're a marketer, you're sitting there and going, okay, I know I need to do better at this. What are the things I want to measure? What's going to show the most impact to my organization? So brand, that's got to be at a minimum brand preference, brand awareness. Those are the easy things. But sophisticated marketers should be looking at actual brand equity, actual brand value. What is the value of our brand on our balance sheet? Because that happens all the time outside of healthcare. Measuring it's difficult, but if you can figure out a way to measure it and say, hey, we're responsible for shaping and driving the largest you know, part of our, of our balance sheet, people are going to notice. So that's brand. From marketing, it's everything from volumes to contribution margin to net new patients. There's just so many different things that you should be measuring. Make a set of vision for what you want to measure. And now go out and figure out what's preventing you from doing it. Find a partner who can help you who's done this before. That includes you know, partners like agencies or consultancies. Hire somebody that's gone through this before. It's kind of like, how do you build a nuclear submarine? Well, first you, you draw up the plans, Philip, and then you identify what tools you need. Like, well, no crap, right? But honestly, you've got to start somewhere. You also need a nuclear physicist. Let's talk about talent. You know, obviously, I mean, we've gotten to work with a lot of really talented people, but I mean, as we look down through the organization, is there a challenge that you would make to the talent pool within healthcare and health systems? If you look at the growth of the expansion of the marketing communications discipline in health systems, you remember back where digital was the big thing. You got to have digital. You got to add digital. That shows how old we are. That We were part of that conversation. Content was another one. Got to add content. So we're past all of that. And we're also past, we've got to add data analytics. Like that's the more recent one. But honestly, we're, most systems are still not where they need to be with data and analytics capabilities and folks who have experience of that and understand how to leverage it and understand what that means. So if there's any place where folks should look and say, okay, that's probably where I need to grow and add expertise, it's there. And again, there are certainly systems that are all over this. Systems that you could stand up from a data standpoint or a content standpoint against non-health system marketers and say, these guys are right there with them. 
Another one that we see a lot, again, outside of healthcare, more so than inside of healthcare, is um, marketing operations people. Last year, it was one of the highest trending titles to be hired for outside of healthcare. So that's another one where we see so much opportunity in the health systems that we work with around really looking at marketing like you look at patient care from an operational perspective and really getting finite and tactical around that kind of stuff. So I, I see a great opportunity there in healthcare as well. You know, the idea of iteration is one way to mentally and actually operationally get around the perfect world syndrome. Again, you go back to kind of like, hey, we've set up all these dominoes and brand is domino 10 and we can't touch brand until we've hit all the other dominoes, strategic planning, mission, vision, value, an M&A situation, whatever. There's all these things. And again, there will always be all these things. So you're waiting for this perfect window. One of the things that will help people kind of get over that is this idea that brand, you work and you build up brand and it's going to be this thing, this this glorious, beautiful, holy grail, and you don't go to market until you have the beautiful, you know, awesome, holy grail. That is typically how people think about brand. But the most sophisticated brand builders realize, hey, brand is all about the value that our audiences give us. And there is no telling whether your holy grail is the right holy grail to start getting that feedback. So start being iterative. Start playing with messages in the market. You can narrow it down. But if you're like, we don't know whether we should be about like we're the most personalized option or we have the most access. Start playing with that in, in ways where you can actually, I don't mean focus groups, which you can do. I mean, actually putting different messages in the market and seeing how people respond to those different messages. If you ask people if they want a boneless, skinless, fat-free chicken sandwich from Burger King, they're going to say, of course I do. That's healthy, Philip. I want that. And then when it's on the menu, no. When it's on the menu, they're like, that's gross. That's not why I'm at Burger King. So until you put that on the menu at Burger King and you see people like not ordering it, you can be misled by asking people. So you want to do A, B, and testing in the market. You want to use actual messages in the market to whatever degree you can. And that allows you to buy some time until your perfect window arrives. Let's talk about that perfect egg you were just describing, because we see this inside and outside of healthcare. And I'm curious about what gets missed, because we see a lot of marketers that say, I've got the brand, right? I got the positioning, I got the identity, I got the visual system, I know how I'm going to message it, right? Hey, I've, I've even got employees, you know, engaged around this with some messaging and, and they launch it and it's off. What are they missing and particularly with health systems around then nurturing, fostering, measuring, like really bringing that child up in the world and making sure that it, it matures into everything that they thought it was going to be. I think to the credit of most health system marketing leaders, it's pretty rare when all of that happens and you go to market and you're just like, whoa, boy, did we have that wrong? Because there's such a perfect world kind of mindset and there's so much due diligence. And for most CMOs, that's the, it's like if we're talking about like a brand launch, let's just say, or a rebranding, it's the biggest thing, the big highest profile thing you're going to do. So typically you're covering all the bases and then some to make sure that you're not off in some major way. But if you are off, it's most likely because you just have some messaging nuance you need to, to shape. There's something environmentally that you haven't taken into account. For example, we talk a lot about the value attack, which is, is this growing, it's been happening since pre-COVID, but it's this growing spotlight on hospitals and health systems as the bad guy. 
for costs, for rising costs in healthcare in this country. And you see it everywhere. So if you think like you're still living in the world where people want to throw you a parade like they did for three months in, in 2020 during COVID, that is not the case. So if you misinterpret those signals and you launch your new brand and people are complaining because you've got a big sign up in the Major League Baseball Park or the NFL Stadium, and they're like, really? You're going to put your money into that? It may not be your message. It may just be you've misread the value attack and how much that's really influenced people. So it doesn't mean that you should throw out the baby with the bathwater. Anything you think we've missed that you think is a key point that people should really understand? You look at the Fortune 500, the top five companies in the Fortune 500. Two of them are 100% healthcare, CVS Health and United Healthcare, which we could have a whole nother podcast on the fact that a health insurer is one of the top five biggest companies in the country, but we'll leave that for now. The other three, Amazon, Apple, and Walmart, all three of them have put massive stakes in the ground when it comes to to healthcare. But when you stop and think about those companies, you're talking about some of the most successful companies in the history of business in the world. So Walmart, the most successful retailer we've ever known until Amazon comes along, and now the most successful retailer online. Apple, maybe the most successful product company or consumer oriented company ever. United Healthcare, one of the most profitable companies ever. If they like spend $5 billion on healthcare and lose a billion, that's a rounding error for them. So just know that these folks all are coming for healthcare in a different ways. They're not going to stop coming for healthcare. There's too much money to be made. And you can scoff at them. You can laugh at them. You can think there's no way they can survive. I just would count on them finding a way. So that's what I would leave people with. Maybe that sounds scary or overly dramatic, but I believe it. Well, I think to your point, it's not that they're going to start doing surgeries tomorrow, but they have the consumer focus. They have the operational wherewithal. They have the back end and backbone to support really cannibalizing elements of your business. Amazon's likely not going to do surgery, but all they have to do is target what we call the top of the funnel, primary care, urgent care, retail care. And if they do that successfully, that's where patient relationships are born and that's where they live long-term. It's not in the hospital, it's primary care. Imagine if you are now dependent on Apple or Amazon or Walmart for referrals for your medical care and your surgical care, right? You still can be a great business. That's a really different model And I don't think folks would willingly want to give up that relationship if they could own it themselves. So even if they don't want your surgery, they may control the flow of patients in a way that impacts your ability to deliver surgery. This has been really great, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all your knowledge. I hope it was informative for everyone listening. And um, I really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Philip. It's always a great and fun conversation. Be sure to subscribe to Eyes on Brand wherever you listen to podcasts to catch exciting future conversations with global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. Check out the show notes for links to more insightful resources on our website. And if you have any thoughts or questions, always feel free to reach out to me, Philip Giuliano, or our head of business development, Nancy Adzentovich, via our email links in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, do great things.